Uh, good morning, church. This morning, I want to talk about probably a bit of a difficult subject. And um, uh, if you uh, go to the first slide, Sam, you'll see uh, what the uh, what the subject matter is for this morning. Yeah, uh, the chastening of God. And sometimes we think, what? A lot of stuff that we do in church is all yeah. Uh, is all on the positive side, isn't it? Yeah, well, we try. Yeah, we try to put a positive foot forward. Yeah, the songs this morning have been. For, yeah, have, have referenced that, haven't they? Um, yeah, God's always in control. God loves us very much. Yeah, um, we can build our. Yeah, we can build our lives on. Yeah, on the love of God. We can. Yeah, God's given us a foundation to work from, and all of that. Um, but what happens? Yeah. When something happens and those, fa- yeah, those foundations suddenly get shaken to the core, yeah? what happens in that, uh, in that particular environment? And uh, I want to look, uh, look briefly at that uh, this morning. And uh, please don't think I'm having a... P- <laughs> please don't think I'm having a pop at anybody uh, around this this morning because uh, the number one in the firing line for this is, mis- is myself. So, um, the, last time, uh, the last time I spoke here, can you remember what I spoke about? Testimony. Testimony, or wit- yeah, we spoke about witness, didn't we? And um, I mentioned that Carol and I had, uh, had been to, uh, to a place called Hartlebury Castle, had we not? And who can remember what was, what's, um, what was the key thing about Hartlebury Castle? Every. Sorry? The people who lived there, who were the bishops of Worcester. Yeah? And the bishops of Worcester lived in Hartlebury Castle from, uh, from AD 8, 8, 855 all the way through to 2007. And we said at the time that uh, Hartlebury Castle had got a very interesting and, and intriguing yeah, history, uh, to, say, uh, to say the least. And uh, I want this morning to, uh, to just ask a couple of, of historical questions, okay? So, if you've got your history buff hats on this morning, here comes question number one, okay? Question number one, what is the 26th of May 1940 famous for? Now, if you're good people and you've read the notice boards in church, you should know exactly what this is about. It, it probably almost certainly was somebody's birthday, Linda. Yep, I would agree with that. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry? Yeah. It was Dave. Yeah, Dave's, got, Dave's going to get his apple to, for t- t- today. He's got the question, uh, sorry, the answer to the question right. So we've got the, fir- yeah, the first one. Um, on the notice board at the back, there's a copy of this picture. I don't know who put, the, who put that picture up. All right. Uh, it talks about a national day of prayer on the, yeah, on the notice board on the world, yeah, uh, in front of Sam and Phil this morning. And the king, who was, who was King George the Sixth, yeah, he called a national day of prayer, and the national day of prayer was on the 26th of May, 1940. So why did King George VI call for the national day of prayer? Was everything hunky-dory at the time, or, yeah? That he had a nice breakfast and thought, I'm going to call the national day of prayer tomorrow, or... 
We were. And what was, at that particular point, what was the dire need at that particular point? Right? At that particular time, yeah, there were three, at least 335,000 British and French troops stuck on the beaches in Dunkirk. Right? Uh, uh, if any of you have seen the film The Longest Day, yeah, I had to put my hand up. I watched that a few weeks ago, which again yeah, set some of these things in uh, in train. Yeah, Churchill, Churchill was brought. Yeah, Churchill was brought into the fray to yeah, uh, as Prime Minister during the wartime, and uh, he one of the greatest considerations he had at those particular time was how on earth are we going to get three hundred at least three hundred thirty five thousand people off the beaches in Dunkirk before the Germans obliterate them, yeah? And so, yeah, uh, they called the National Day of Prayer, yeah? King George VI, and uh, what happened? Lots of boats, so you said, I can see, yeah? One of the things, that's right. Um, Churchill charged, and I forget the, the guy's name now, uh, one of the, uh, the, naval yeah, the naval chief at the time, to basically, he said to him, yeah, you've got to get on and do it, sunshine, yeah, because we've got to get these people back. And, uh, and again, after, yeah, after that had happened, all the boats went across, from, yeah, uh, across the channel and picked up all of the people off the beach in Dunkirk. And yeah, this was the, uh, this was the, the news carried by the Newcastle Journal, Last scenes of Dunkirk, it was a miracle. And it, <laughs> yeah, without absolutely any shadow of doubt, it was a miracle. And if you get time, I recommend you go, yeah, go and have a look at some of the background information of what was going on in the days leading up to the National Day of Prayer and the rescue of, uh, from, uh, of the people from, uh, from the beaches. I can confirm... Because I have eyewitness, yeah, I have, I have eyewitness who have told me that it was so that were the, there were definitely queues outside of churches, yeah, on that national day of prayer, as we saw on the first, yeah, on the first slide. Yeah, my mum and dad said, yeah, definitely, that happened. Right. So, that's question number one. You pass that one with flying colours. Here we go to question number two. This is a bit more up-to-date, this one. So I expect... Ooh, we flashed through, yeah? You got the answer as well. What happened on the 24th of February, 2022? Yeah? Right? Now, I don't know about you, but if I'd have been... Yeah, if I'd have been a person sitting in the UK in 19... Yeah, in May 1940... Or if I'm a person sitting in Ukraine at the moment, yeah, I don't think I'd want to be in either position, really. Yeah, and I've no doubt that the people in the Ukraine, yeah, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ, are saying, "Well, our foundation has been well and truly rocked." Don't you think? We're so. <laughs> I've been thinking about this all week. We are so, so, so fortunate in this country at the moment, aren't we? Yeah, we live a life of um, uh, of ease, really, don't we? Yeah. Okay. We have a yeah. We have our day-to-day -day struggles. I fully understand that. But 
we have nothing compared to, yeah, to what's going on in Ukraine at the moment. Read the news early this morning, yeah, and it's all kicking off in Israel again this morning, isn't it? Yeah. And God's people in Israel, they're going to be saying, well, yeah, what's going on? These are our foundations being rocked. Yeah. Now then, this morning, I want to draw your attention to the book of Lamentations. Okay? We can slip on to the next slide, please, uh, Sam. And <clears throat> we're going to read what happened to God's people. Right? Now... We like to get older. We, we like to get older. What's going on in the New Testament? I understand. Yeah, in uh, in the New Testament, a lot of Christian persecution went on, etc., etc., etc. Don't get me wrong. I fully understand that. But there's a lot of stuff in the New Testament we like to get out. Yeah, we like to get our heads into. We're going to talk to you from uh, the Book of Lamentations this morning, and we're just going to read a few verses. Yeah. Who can tell me what? Yeah. What's the back? Anybody know the background to Lamentations? Sorry, Gwen. The exile, right? The exile, what's, yeah, what's an exile? Yeah, I'm going to send Phil to Coventry, I've exiled him. Lamentations, uh, which, is, uh, which is considered to be written by the prophet Jeremiah, is all about, yeah, it's primarily about the exile. But what happened before the exile? Right? What happened before the exile was that the whole of the land of Judah got rock to his foundations. Yeah? Right. Lamentations chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles, have a look at this. This is not a fairy story. This is what God did to the people of Israel. Right? Because of their unbelief and, their not fo- and them not following him as he had demanded that they should. Right? <clears throat> Lamentations chapter 1, verse 1, it says, how, lo- how lonely sits the city that was full of people. This is Jerusalem he's been talking about here. Jerusalem used to be a bustling city, and now, completely dead. It's been rocked to its foundations. The walls have come down. The temple has been ransacked. How like a widow is she who was great among the nations? Jerusalem was a, yeah, and, and the people of Israel were a great nation. But they've been rocked. Could you imagine what would have happened in the UK? Yeah. The other thing that was the Churchill was considering was what's going to happen when Germany invades the UK, right? Like Putin's invaded invaded Ukraine at the moment. He says the princess among the provinces has become a slave. Yeah. This is right. By the way, just for information, Lamentations is all written as in a as an acrostic, it's, it's, this is poetry, right? I might not present the poetry particularly well. <laughs> it says, She weeps bitterly in the night. Her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into captivity. Yeah, Gwen mentioned the exile. The people have been taken, yeah, they've been taken away. Remember the stories about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego? They were the, yeah, they were, if you like, some of the elite of the people who had been taken away into exile in Babylon. Yeah. It says Judah has gone into captivity under affliction and hard servitude. Yeah, they hadn't, gone, they hadn't been exiled for a picnic. They'd been exiled 
yeah, for hard labor. It says she dwells among the nations, she finds no rest. All her persecutors overtake her in dire straits. It says the roads to Zion, which was Jerusalem, it says the roads to Zion mourn because no one comes to the feasts anymore. Yeah. What was one of the things God commanded all the people to do? Come up to Jerusalem for the feast. We're going to have a put. Yeah. This is our party time, our festival time. And here Jeremiah is saying, none of that's happening anymore. None of it's happening. It says, all her gates are desolate, her priests sigh, her virgins are afflicted, and she is in bitterness. Her adversaries have become the master, her enemies prosper, for the Lord has afflicted her. Yeah? This is not yeah, in the same way that the devil is. Yeah? It's God who, in the story of Job who's doing the affliction of Job. It's not the evil one. This is God afflicting his people at that particular time. It says, her children have gone into captivity before the enemy and from the daughter of Zion and all her splendor has departed. Her princes have become like deer that find no pasture, that flee without strength before the pursuer. In all the days of her affliction and and roaming, Jerusalem remembers all her pleasant things that she had in days of old when her people fell into the hand of the enemy. With no one to help her, the adversary saw her and mocked and mocked at her downfall. Yeah, this is God's people. Yeah, this is God's people, right? Now, <clears throat> for the very astute among you, you'll know that I'm 66, right? Gwen mentioned the exile. The, the children of Israel were in exile away from Jerusalem for longer than I've been alive. Yeah, and God had put them there. Yeah. I've, I've not read, it's no wonder it's called the book of Lamentation, Lamentations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my sister and her husband, and her husband have, been, are up in, have been up in Edinburgh. Yeah. And what, what's classic about the Scots? Yeah. They have these big, this big windbaggy thing, don't they? Yeah. They, the pipes. And this reminds, yeah, for some bizarre reason, this reminds me of how, yeah, what a dirge listening to bagpipes is. Yeah. But, but this is what God, yeah, this is, yeah. We don't just, yeah, we don't just believe the second half, of, yeah, the 27 books of the, of the New Testament. There's the, the 39, thanks, Amy. Yeah, I did a bit, quick, bit, quick bit of mental arithmetic then. But we've got the 39 books of the Old Testament we have to take account of as well. And I'm thinking like, wow. So I'm thinking, okay, so let's go to chapter, I'll miss the rest of chapter one out, and I'll go to chapter two, and let's see if, yeah, let's see, let's see if things get any better in chapter two. So where does chapter two start? How the Lord has covered the daughter of Zion with a cloud in his anger. Yeah. God was angry with the people because they weren't following after him and doing the things that he wanted them to do. Right? And yeah, way back in the book of Exodus, one of the things it says in, the, yeah, in and around the Ten Commandments, it says our God is a jealous God. Yeah? God, wa- yeah, God wants all the praise and all the glory that we can offer to him. Yeah, he doesn't want us to sort of drift off into the distance somewhere and go and worship somebody else because he's a jealous God. 
And sometimes I think, yeah, particularly in our, in our modern day, modern society, we forget that, yeah, we forget this side of God. Our God is a jealous God. Our God is a righteous God. Yeah, he's a holy God. And we forget, yeah, we forget all about that. It says, he, ca- he cast down from heaven to the earth the beauty of Israel and did not remember his footstool in the day of his anger. The Lord has swallowed up and has not pitied. Does this sound like God to you? Yeah. God has swallowed up and not pitied. All the dwelling places of Jacob he has thrown down in his wrath. The strongholds of the daughter of Judah, he has brought them down to the ground. He has profaned the kingdom and its princes. Verse 3 says he is cut off in he has cut he has cut off in fierce anger every horn of Israel. He has drawn back his right hand from before the enemy. He has blazed against Jacob. Yeah? He's blazed against Jacob like a flaming fire, devouring all around. Yeah? Does this sound like God that we talk about today? Standing like an enemy, he has bent his bow. With his right hand, like an adversary, he has slain all who were pleasing to his eye. On the tent of the daughter of Zion, he has poured out his fury like fire. Yeah. The Lord was like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all, all her palaces. He has destroyed her strongholds and has increased mourning and lamentation in the daughter of Judah. So that's chapter two gone then. That's now better. <laughs> so let's have a quick look at chapter three then. See if, it, yeah, see if things might improve in chapter three. In chapter three, it's titled in my, uh, in, uh, my version, says the prophet's anguish and hope because Jeremiah, what had Jeremiah been doing? Who was Jeremiah? What, what did he do? What was his day job? Jeremiah was a prophet, yeah? And Jeremiah had been prophesying that all this was going to happen unless the children of Israel repented of their ways. And Jeremiah was one of the, yeah, one of the remnant of people that was left behind in, uh, in Jerusalem when the rest of them were exiled. So... Let's see what chapter 3 says. Is it going to get better in chapter 3? Says, Jeremiah says, I am, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. So that's not getting any better then, is it? He has led me and made me walk in darkness and not in the light. Yeah? Surely he has turned his hand against me time and time again throughout the day. Right? And Jeremiah was the guy that was actually doing the right thing. He was the, he, yeah. He had been a faithful prophet in telling the children of Israel that this is what was going to happen. Yeah. No wonder it's called Lamentations, yeah. It was so bad, he says, he has aged my flesh and my skin. In other words, I can just imagine Jeremiah, yeah, his hair's falling out because he's got all this grief, yeah? And, <clears throat> yeah, the older we get, yeah? Yeah, we start to get a bit wrinkly around the edges, so I've found, yeah? Yeah, I don't, I'll try to find out, actually, how, how old Jeremiah was at this particular time. Um, 
But either way, uh, it says, He has aged my flesh and my skin and broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me and surrounded me with beautiful things. Sorry, we got that wrong. Yeah, he has surrounded me with bitterness and woe. Right, he has set me in dark places like the dead of long ago. He has hedged me in so that I cannot get out. He has made my chain heavy. Even when I cry and shout, he shuts out my prayer. What a horrible place to be in. Yeah. This is God who we, yeah, who we come to pray to. And Jeremiah saying, he shut my prayers out at this time. Yeah. He's blocked my ways with hewn stone. He has made my paths crooked. He's been to me a bear lying in wait like a lion in ambush. He has turned aside my ways and torn me in pieces. He has made me desolate. He has bent his bow and set me up as a target for the arrows. Right? Does this sound like God? Now, verse 16 astonished me when I got to it. Yeah, if you want to quickly skip down to verse 16. He says, he also, he has also broken my teeth with gravel. <laughs> right? He's also broken my teeth with gravel and covered me with ashes. Right? <clears throat> One of the, the, last, uh, the last time that Nebuchadnezzar came against Israel, he actually besieged, he actually besieged Jerusalem. Right? They couldn't get they couldn't get food into yeah they couldn't get food in Jerusalem they couldn't get water into Jerusalem, and this is referring to the fact that where they found nice yeah if they ever found something on the floor yeah, yeah maybe they found a nice bit of roast beef on the floor or something yeah when they picked the nice bit of roast beef up they also picked the gravel up with it, and this is what they were having to do to survive. Right. <laughs> Makes my teeth stand on end just sort of thinking. Yeah. That's a nice bit of dreariness and dirginess for Sunday mornings, is it? Yeah. <laughs> right? But you know what? One of the things we can trust God's word for is what? Telling the truth. Right? God will always tell the truth. Yeah whether, he, yeah, whether that sort of makes us feel happy or whether that makes us feel sad, as they say. <clears throat> but God will always tell the truth in, uh, in his word. So, in the, yeah, if you go through the book of Jeremiah itself and also through Lamentations, you'll find that God has afflicted his people. God's left them, yeah, and the people were without hope. If you move into, into chapter, into chapter 3, uh, it says there, Jeremiah says there, says, Surely he has turned his hand against me time and time again throughout the day and will not hear my prayers. Yeah. Verse 16 says, I said, My strength and my hope have perished. Yeah. One of the things we love as a people is to have some degree of hope, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, all the Albion fans will hope that one day they might get back to the yeah, might get back to the Premiership. 
being a Wolves fan, oh, one day, maybe, yeah, Wolves might even win the Premier League. Long shot, but you know what I mean? <coughs> right? But, <coughs> but we like to have hope, don't we? Yeah? We like to have hope standing as a beacon so that we, yeah, that we can grab onto. What does Isaiah 53 tell us about? She's one of Ron's favourite, yeah, one of Ron's favourite passages from the Bible. Tells us about the coming of the Messiah, but it also tells us about a suffering Messiah, yeah? Someone who was acquainted with grief, someone who was afflicted for us, yeah? And, yeah, one of the things about the Bible is that it tells it as it is, and yeah, he says, yeah, if the master went through this, then, yeah, it's something that we, as God's people, should be aware of. Isaiah 53, 7, he says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the, to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he, he opened not his mouth. Yeah. When Jesus went to the cross, Matthew 27, 24 says about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud, with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lab, lama sabachthani, yeah? which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can you imagine all of, all of the children of Israel, either the ones who were left behind in, in Jerusalem or the ones who were exiled into, into Babylon, yeah, saying, what? Yeah. <laughs> why have you done this? Yeah? Why have you done this? And, yeah, as God's people, from time to time, we go through these type of experiences, don't we? Yeah? We wonder, well, what on earth is God playing at at the moment? Yeah? Why, why is, yeah, was it Ruth a few weeks ago? Was that, yeah, was talking about the question, why? Yeah? Why has this happened? Why has that happened? Why are we going through this at this particular time? So, anyway, a little bit of thought, yeah, a food to think about. And we're going to move on now, right? Because you'll be pleased to know that it doesn't stay that way. <laughs> it doesn't stay that way. And if we go into Lamentations and chapter 3 and, um, and verse 21 or verse 20, we get there, right? This is what, the, yeah, this is what Jeremiah says. Yeah? This... I recall to my mind. Yeah? And therefore, what? Therefore I have hope. This I recall to mind. Therefore I have hope. Jeremiah, yeah, from the depths of his depression, from the depths of his affliction, yeah, from the depths of all the rubbish that was going on around about him, somehow... Yeah, pulled from the back of his mind, yeah, he goes into recall mode, right? He says, I rec I'm, yeah, I've recalled this. It's almost, he's, it's almost like he's made a deliberate, yeah, a deliberate choice to, you know, sort of go and wring this from the back of his, yeah, from the back of his mind. I have great difficulty doing this now as I'm getting older, yeah. The old sort of recall things are not working quite the same, <laughs> quite the same as they used to. <clears throat> But this is, yeah, this is sometimes, yeah, we go back to that like our Sunday school days and what was one of the things, yeah, everybody that went through this Sunday school did. We had memory, 
Yeah, we had memory verses, didn't we? Right? And I used to think at the time, oh, not another one. <laughs> yeah. I can remember when we was working, in, yeah, working with Pam in Pam's class, and yeah, yeah, Pam would say, well, okay, this week's memory verse is whatever. <laughs> and you could see the kid's face, he got. <laughs> but surprise, surprise, yeah, the majority of them yeah, did actually remember what was going on. The word in Hebrew here is a word called hesed. Yeah? And hesed has got no direct English, sort of tran- yeah, English translation, but it refers to the unwavering and steadfast love of a covenant-keeping God. And this is what, yeah, this is what Jeremiah was pulling, from, yeah, was pulling from the back of his mind. The fact that this is what God's character was ultimately like. Although he was in this particular situation at the moment, yeah, he knew that underneath all of that, that God's character was that of an unwavering and steadfast love for his people. <clears throat> then it says what? He carries on from, yeah, he carries on from there. And he, the next thing it says, through the, Lord, sorry, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Yeah? We are not consumed. And Jeremiah remembered this. Yeah? Although there was still, yeah, still just a little remnant of people in Jerusalem, yeah? Jeremiah remembered that there was also a promise of restoration. Yeah? So after the 70 years in exile had been done, what happened? The people were, they were restored. Yeah? They came back to Jerusalem yeah? under Nehemiah and Ezra, and they did what? They rebuilt Jerusalem. They rebuilt the, yeah, they rebuilt the temple. So, yeah. God hadn't totally annihilated them. Yeah. God had worked out his, yeah, had basically disciplined them, hence my title for this morning, the chastening of God. God had disciplined his children in what yeah, we probably class as a very, yeah, a very harsh way. But that's what, yeah, that's what had happened. <clears throat> and in doing this, God is reminding them of his, of his covenant love and his loyalty ultimately to his people. What else does it go on to say? It says, because his compassions don't fail. Right? God's compassions do not fail. And we can take comfort in that fact. Yeah? Knowing that whatever we go through, God is still a compassionate God towards us. Yeah? God will, yeah, his compassions won't fail. If you go on a bit further, please, Phil. Yeah? Because, what? They won't fail because they are. Come on, guys, are we awake? They're new every morning. Yeah? New every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Yeah? We might have a, yeah, I know a bit of a song on that one. It's called Great is Your Faithfulness. Oh God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Yeah? No shadow of turning with thee. Yeah, um, yeah it's just gone. 
They fail not. Yeah, as thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Yeah, we'll sing that at the end. Yeah, okay, just as, yeah, just as a reminder. God's compassions and mercies are new every morning. Yeah, new every morning. <clears throat> and that was something that God's people could ultimately look forward to as part of their, as part of their restoration process, if you like, after they'd been away in, in exile. So, as sure as God had actually taken them away into exile and had taken them into a period of chastening, this same God was also going to bring them back to Jerusalem and, yeah, and remind them that his compassions didn't fail and that ultimately they would be, yeah, they would be restored into, uh, into uh, Jerusalem. <clears throat> In verse 26, it says, It is good that one should have hope and wait quietly for the, salvation, for the salvation of the Lord. And that's effectively what the children of Israel did while they were in, yeah, that while they were in Babylon. That's all they could do. They had to wait patiently with hope that the Lord would bring them through what the particular uh, situation that they were in at that time. <clears throat> so, so that's the good news then, right? After the bit of the dirtful stuff to start with, that's the good news. Yeah, God's mercies are new every morning, yeah, and his compassions don't fail. And we can, yeah, we can stand in that today. <clears throat> so, uh, next slide, please, uh, Sam. Yeah. So, what did, uh, what did Jeremiah recommend, if you like, for the situation that Israel was facing at that particular time? Yeah. If we go into, uh, into chapter 3, and uh, of Lamentations, we go down to verse 40, it says this, it says, let us search out and examine our ways. Let's search out and examine our ways. In other words, Jeremiah was basically recommending a, a humble approach to God. Yeah, yeah we, live, we live in a day, don't we, uh, today, where... Anything and, yeah, pretty much, well, certainly in this country, yeah, uh, pretty much anything and everything goes. Do you, do you, know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody can do any wrong anymore, yeah. Um, I've just been a naughty boy or a naughty girl for a bit, and, uh, yeah, uh, and, <coughs> uh, and as, for, uh, as for consequences, well, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. <coughs> I came across a classic piece of advice, a thing on Instagram the other day. He said uh, something like this. When, when I was a child, I was spanked. Right? And I'm thinking, okay. When I was a child, I was spanked. Says, but, and it's left, me, it's left me with a severe disability. It's called respecting my elders. <laughs> and I thought, well, yeah, there's a lot of truth in that as well, isn't there? Um, <clears throat> but... So Jeremiah is recommending this, even at the point that uh, yeah, the children of Israel uh, were, in essence, seeing almost God as being their opponent, yeah, rather than their yeah, rather than their helper. Jeremiah recommends this sort of proper and humble approach. Yeah, sin, yeah, sin must not be casually and superficially confessed and dealt with. Yeah. 
Try that again. Sin must not be casually and or, and or superficially confessed and dealt with. Yeah. I, I understand, yeah, uh, don't get me wrong. We don't live, do we, on a, yeah, on a day-to-day basis, sort of, yeah, constantly uh, reviewing things and the like, but there are, there are times when it's appropriate that we examine ourselves, yeah? Um, last week we had, uh, um, well, we weren't here, Tony did, yeah, Tony did communion, didn't he? Yeah, last, last Sunday morning. And <clears throat> communion is very often a time and Paul tells us to do this, doesn't he? In, in 1 Corinthians 11, he tells us that we should, exam- yeah, we should examine ourselves. Yeah? Take, yeah, if you like, take stock. Where am I with God at this particular moment in time? Are things, yeah, are things if you like, on the up? Are, yeah, are things working, working well? Have I got the right sort of relationship with God as my father at the moment? Or are things sort of slipping and sliding uh, maybe the other way? Yeah? So... The opportunity for us to take communion yeah, gives us that opportunity to examine ourselves as well. And that's something that we should, uh, that we should, uh, that we should do. In 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5, Paul again tells us, examine yourselves as to whether you remain in the faith. Yeah? Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Christ Jesus is in you? Yeah, we have the Holy Spirit of God living in us. If we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit within us. So it's right that we should test and examine ourselves on a day-to-day basis and make sure that we're living in the right sort of way. Then he says, return to the Lord. Yeah, return to the Lord. All the self-examination in the world does, yeah, does no good if we don't actually turn away <laughs> and come back to the Lord. In Hosea chapter 3 and verse 5, it says, Afterwards the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. They shall walk after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, then his sons shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like a bird from Egypt. Yeah? And I will let them dwell in their houses. Yeah? God wants us to return. We have the classic story, don't we, of the prodigal, yeah, of the prodigal son in John's Gospel, if I remember rightly. Yeah. What happens with the prodigal son? Prodigal son says, yeah, he goes up to his dad and says, hey, dad, thank you very much. Um, can I have the dosh, please, basically? Yeah. <clears throat> and he, yeah, he runs away and, yeah, and fritters all of his father's inheritance fritters all of his inheritance away. Yeah. Then he comes, it's a, yeah, this is where the examine, yeah, the examine bit comes in. He suddenly examined himself a little bit and thought, wow, I'm a bit of a nutcase, aren't I? Because, yeah, all the people who actually work for me, Dad, well, they've got somewhere to sleep. They've got a roof over their heads. They've got, yeah, they've got something to eat every, they'll have something to eat every day. And here I am, yeah, mucking out the pigs and eating some of the food that the pigs eat. And the story goes on and tells us, doesn't it, that yeah, he decided to return, didn't he, the son? And when he was a long way off, it says what? 
Yeah, the father was looking out for him. Yeah, he was looking out for that, uh, for that return of his arrogant and wayward son. Yeah, he was looking out for him. In verse 42, it says this. It says, we have transgressed and rebelled. You have not pardoned. Yeah? And it's very easy for us, isn't it, sometimes to transgress. Yeah? And we rebel against God, don't we? This is the human condition, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it's the human condition. And <clears throat> sometimes, as much as we don't want to do it, we still do it, don't we? Yeah? I'm 66, I still do it occasionally. Yeah. Especially in those yeah, especially in those times where we suddenly start to ask the question why? Yeah. Why's God done this? Why is God doing this in my yeah, in my particular circumstances at the moment? Why hasn't God answered my prayers? Yeah. In Hebrews chapter twelve, Paul <laughs> says this, says, <clears throat> and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Yeah. For whom the Lord loves, he... Chastens, yeah. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you skip down to verse 11 of, of Hebrews 12, he says this, Now no chastening seems to be joyful at the present. Fairly obvious, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I can remember being chastened by that master a few times. No chastening seems to be joyful at the present, but rather painful. Nevertheless, Afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Yeah. Peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Examine ourselves. Yeah. Examine ourselves. Make sure we are, yeah, we are having that close walk with, yeah, walk with God. Paul reminds us again in Ephesians chapter 5, if I remember rightly. Yeah, yeah. Walk as people of the light. Yeah. Chapter 5, I think it's verse 15 and 16. So it also says, walk circumspectly. Yeah. Redeeming the, yeah, redeeming the time because the days we're living in are evil. There you go. Those are just a few thoughts this morning.